Hi, I'm Millie Thomas, an eating disorder recovery coach. We've created this podcast to raise awareness about all types of eating disorders and help dispel some of the many myths and stigma that unfortunately still surround them. It's hard for me to pinpoint where and when my eating disorder began. It feels like it's like a drug. You know it's bad because you know like this is hurting me but it somehow makes you feel like you're doing something right. He just couldn't sense that I was hopeless. You get to that point where you just you just don't know what to do. This is the End Eating Disorders podcast brought to you by Lockaway Self Storage and Podspot. I began rereading my diaries and actually it enabled me to grieve for the little girl that got horribly lost and I just wanted to take her hand and help her get get out of that terribly dark forest that she was lost in for so many years. You're enough, you're more than enough, and you will always be enough. My eating disorder started at seven. It's been a long and at times slow process. <sighs> the eating disorder's in charge, and your daughter's not there. There is hope at endad.org.au. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Today, I have the amazing Stefania with me. She is an Australian model with Bella Management and has worked on many major campaigns, both in Australia and around the world. And in 2015, she started a campaign to end the use of the term plus size to describe models who were above an Australian size eight. Thank you so much for joining me, Stefania. I am so, so excited to have a chat with you and find out more about your journey um, and about your experiences in modeling. Oh, thank you, Millie. Thank you so much for having me on. I look very much forward to chatting. I would like to begin with you giving our listeners an insight into who you are and what led you to doing what you're doing now. Well, let's see. I'm a 27-year-old model based in Melbourne at the moment. And when I was 16, I had this sudden urge, for lack of a better phrase, I guess, that I, that I wanted to become a model, that I wanted to pursue modelling. And so I sort of set out down that road, although I didn't really know how to navigate it because I didn't have any contacts, I didn't really know anyone. So yeah, it's just been this crazy journey um, in the modeling industry for me for the past 11 years now. Amazing. Was that, I mean, not knowing anyone in the industry, was it, was it scary? Oh, it was terrifying. I mean, because I had this dream, this urge to, to do modeling and and um, yeah, express myself in front of the camera, but I had, I had no idea how to do it. And so I, there was this, this really, I guess, a heavy feeling that, you know, you probably won't get there, Seth, you know, just accept the fact that it's not going to happen sort of thing. Um, and so, yeah, it, because I guess a lot of, you know, if you want to go down a career path that's more, normal in inverted commas you tend to have more knowledge because maybe your parents did it or friends are doing it you know going to uni and then getting that nine to five job I guess it feels safer and so there was that real fear that I'm going into this unknown yeah absolutely but has do you think it's been worth it oh (laughs) yes absolutely I've just it's been an incredible amazing journey and completely worth it and I wouldn't have it any other way I think there's some things in life like that where you sort of instead of following that 
I guess, prescribed path, um, you end up doing something that might be a little bit out of the box or not what other people expect you to do. And at the time, you're sort of thinking, oh my goodness, um, is this you know the right thing to be doing? Is it not? But then when you just dive in and you do it, it can be so incredibly rewarding. Absolutely. Very rewarding. And because also you worked so hard, you did it despite what people were saying, despite what society says. And then so eventually when you do reach your first goal, second goal, you, like you said, it is so rewarding. Now, when you were trying to break into modeling, you said you struggled quite intensely with body image issues. Can you talk to me more about that and what that was like? Yeah, well, I, uh, like I said earlier briefly, I was 16 when I decided I wanted to start modeling. And I was very slim at the time. I was, yeah. I think teetering on underweight and I had this idea, well, if I want to be a model, like I so desperately want to do, I have got to maintain this weight. You know, I've got to stay skinny because there was just this idea, this stereotype that a model had to be thin. And so I thought, well, there's no other way. Like I can't, I can't do modeling unless I'm skinny. And yeah, it, it really, it messed with me. It made me hyper-focus on the foods I was having and made me I was weighing myself daily because I was just thinking I have to stay this size or even better get skinny I thought you know even skinnier and there was one point where I was talking to this French photographer who was based overseas who had amazing work and I was chatting to him online asking him for advice about the modeling industry and do you know what the advice he gave me was what he said you should lose probably another five kilos if you want to be successful in the industry. What? That's madness. Unbelievable, yeah. But, you know, he probably thought he was giving me sound advice. But, and in some ways he wasn't entirely wrong because there was this idea that you had to be impossibly slim almost. It was like, and so he probably thought he was doing me a favor. But... No, just the industry, it needed, it needed change. And I'm so thankful for people that have led the way. Pioneers like Chelsea, the head of Bella Management, it's just, it's unbelievable what we've managed to achieve in the industry from the mentality just 10 years ago to what it is now. Yeah, I'm, I'm so grateful to people like Chelsea who have really, really, as you say, pioneered and paved the way. Um, and I mm. do think that we've made some great, great inroads uh, into it. Why do you think that despite the body positivity movement, there is still this overwhelming obsession with thinness? Yeah, you know that I must have been living in a bubble because I, I was thinking the world had completely changed and I thought, oh, yeah, no, you know, curvy, bigger, any size, whatever, it's in, you know, thick sort of thing. And um, and I had this 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 shock, this realisation, um, would have been sometime mid-last year, maybe early, actually early last year, where I heard a young girl talking about, she was very slim, talking about how her arms are too big or her thighs are too big. I can't remember. And I just thought, oh, my God, we still haven't gotten there. You know, because I had just accepted my body and thought that things had completely changed. And then I realized, no, we are still battling this idea that thin equals beautiful. And I think what's really, really hard is when that is so prevalent, not only in mainstream media, but also in social media. You know, so many of my clients really 
battle with this idea of accepting their bodies just as they are when what is prized is, you know, I mean, we, we have both that really thin ideal still, but then we have sort of this Kardashian-esque um, ideal as well. And it's, yeah, it's like you can have curves if, they, if they're the right kind of curves sort of thing. There's the Kardashian the what the the image is perpetuating almost it's like yes it's okay to be curvier or bigger as long as your curves look a certain way exactly I mean and that is madness Mm. in itself because everybody is so built so differently right and I was reading an article um the other night about uh the new plastic surgery procedure which has become the most popular which is the BBL the Brazilian butt lift and it is the uh, most uh like has the highest mortality rate um, out of any of the plastic surgeries as as far as I know like people are dying from these surgeries because it's the most dangerous I just I'm I'm just floored by that and it's all to get this particular aesthetic or physique that is being yeah. you know perpetuated online yeah because of the girls you know they think oh I'm, I'm allowed to have some curves but you know they've got to be per- perfectly round you know you're not allowed to have any dents in your hips or anything which is normal by the way to have hip dips very natural because that's literally how our skeletons are structured um but then there's this this pressure to get these rounded hips um which the brazilian butt lift will do because you get that big rounded butt and at the same time your hips curve out like this and so that's what we're seeing on the likes of kardashians and it is even people that i didn't even realize were getting these procedures that i was following or i was aware of on social media influencers, I find out later that they've had these uh, these fat transplants. You know, they move fat from the stomach or the arms and they'll move it into the hips and the butt to literally reshape your curves. Madness. Well, it is. It is absolute madness. And, and unfortunately, our younger generation especially – are growing up. Um, I mean, there's some frightening statistics around uh, young woman, young boys and girls, and you know, like we're talking like primary school age, um, as young as five and six, having having issues around. I've I've had parents contact me and and their young girls are talking about why they don't have a thigh gap Uh, and you know their sons are concerned about why they don't have uh, muscles or a flat stomach and it's just it's so disheartening to know that children of that age who should be innocent and have no real conception of their body other than what it allows them to do are being hung up on their appearance. Oh, that's, and it's very sad. And it's interesting that you bring up boys as well, because I feel like we often forget about the boys in when we talk about body positivity or body image issues. But there is so much pressure for, for men as well to be muscular and fit a certain physique. And when you tell me that there are boys that age that are thinking like that, that's absolutely heartbreaking as well. I remember I was in, I think it was grade two, and I wasn't, I was always a little bit juicier as a kid, let's say. And I remember looking at one of the other girls in my class when she was walking into school and I was looking at her legs and I thought, oh my God, they're so much thinner than mine. Why don't mine look like that? And I think, yeah, grade two, I think it was. Like, it's just, that's, I shouldn't have been thinking that at that age. What, what am I doing comparing my legs to her legs at that age? It means that the media advertising is already implanting these ideas in our minds as soon as we become self-aware basically I know 
and it's it it is just frightening and I I don't know what your views are on on social media and the effect that it has on body image but I am really really frightened by especially by TikTok I'm not on it mm-hmm. but what gets sent yep. to me the screenshots of what gets sent to me by concerned parents or concerned concerned individuals that are actually struggling with eating disorders but going this is the type of stuff that comes up um, is is absolutely frightening. Um, there's some very, very, very underweight individuals who are being absolutely praised um, for for their bodies, but then also being praised. You know, there's a lot of like what I eat in a day going on. It's scary. Yeah, um, I think when it comes to social media, it can be such a powerfully positive tool, but then at the same time, it can be such a detrimental tool as well if it's not used correctly and I think schools maybe need to catch up with the times why aren't why isn't there a class on how to navigate social media who you should be following who you should be looking at in order to empower you because I feel like what we've got going on is almost girls are being self-destructive and punishing themselves by following individuals that don't empower them that make them feel lesser that make them feel too big not good enough not curvy enough not skinny enough and we should really be telling um young boys and girls at school and maybe even just one class a week hey you know when you look at a photo on instagram of someone you're following stop and think does this photo make you feel good does this photo make you feel confident or does this photo make you question your body shape and the way you look and what you're doing and what you're eating and how you're dressing? I just don't think that we should be questioning ourselves. We should just be empowered when we fall through our feet. I completely, completely agree with you. And I think it's a fantastic idea for schools to really get on get on the bandwagon, basically. Uh, yeah, but recognize. it's such a new technology, you know? And so it's like we haven't caught up. Like schools are just in the dark ages almost. It's like... This is so normal for kids to be on the phone because I think it's far more realistic to do uh, education around the topic than Mm. to starve the children of their want to go on social media because unfortunately they're going to get on it one way or another. So give them the tools to be able to use it correctly. Exactly, exactly. I mean, it's 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 very very uh, would be a really powerful thing for children to be armed with as they leave. Um, so, I mean, it needs to start at primary school, um, and then I think there needs to be mm-hmm. f- further down at high school as well, so that then by the time they've, they've left school, they've actually really got almost an armour around them to protect them against the barrage of messaging that they're going to get in, and to help them to understand that what they are seeing isn't actually the reality, it's a highlight reel, and half of it is completely doctored images anyway. Have you come to a place of complete acceptance now with your body? Oh, I feel like... Yes, and then partly no, because I think that accepting your body, like I've always sort of had this philosophy that it's a journey and you're always going to be on this journey for your whole life. And the idea is you make this journey as enjoyable, as easy and as pleasurable as possible. So I'm always going to be on a journey with my body. It's going to go through all kinds of changes continuously, but I want it. I want to be friends with it. Like I don't want to, to be battling with it. And so I might have moments where, you know, I might have eaten more than usual for a few days and then I feel a bit bloated. But it's like I've, I've, I've taught myself, I guess, that that's natural, that's normal. Like don't, don't battle with yourself over that. 
and learn to enjoy the journey of the ever-changing body and life because life is not just a stagnant thing you know it's forever changing I think that's a wonderful wonderful way to look to look at it and I think you're right it is a journey it's a constant journey and I think it's about um, accepting where where you're at on that journey and still being kind to yourself regardless of whether you feel bloated or you might not particularly love your body that day I think that's the key do you you know ever find yourself comparing yourself to other models still in the industry or you know do you ever feel uh, I know there can be a lot of stuff that goes on online in terms of trolling and judgment and things like that how do you how do you navigate that how do you deal with that Oh, well, I don't think I really compare anymore myself to models and certainly not in an unhealthy manner. I might compare certain aspects of maybe my work and their work. But when I was younger, boy, did I compare like the way my body looks, for example, to how um, the Victoria's Secret supermodels looked at the time. Because when I was 16, I thought that Victoria's Secret was the epitome of beauty. And there was just, you know, that one size. And, and so I would be constantly comparing. And then on social media, I would be comparing. But now I just, I don't think I do. Um, I, I feel like now I can appreciate. And I'm also careful with, with who I'm following too. You know, I, like I said earlier, I want to be empowered by who I see on my feed. And I do follow some beautiful models that are also very slim too. But I've accepted now that that's just not how my body shape is. So I can appreciate their beauty without feeling bad about myself now, which I think is a massive achievement. Yeah, it sure is. And that whole piece around recognising and realising that in order to be a size that you're not genetically uh, predisposed to be, you're going to have to spend your entire life uh, manipulating you know, and restricting things. I think that for me was a big, a big realization. It was hard. It was hard to come to the conclusion that the body that I had so desired for so long and idolized in my mind wasn't actually the body that I was destined to have. And it was about Mm. prioritizing life and enjoying and being able to be myself and be fully present um, over having a certain body type. And I think once you can really take that on board, then you end up just, it's the most amazing feeling. It's freeing, isn't it? It's yes. absolutely liberating because it completely consumes your mind. Like my mind, I would say the number one focus for years was my weight, how thin I was, what I was eating. And it's just completely engulfing and, it's, and it's, it is liberating letting go of that and just accepting. Yeah, there's such a sense of peace, I find. With yeah. It. Now, you identify as bisexual. When did you realize this and did it affect your body image? Um, I was 13 when I realized it. I, I realized that one of my best friends, female at school, I was highly attracted to. <laughs> And I, I don't think it affected my body image any more than, no, I can't say, I can't say it did, but it's a really interesting question though, because it is something that I can imagine for some people it might, Mm. you know? Yeah, because you're also, 
you're attracted to, to people of the same sex as you. So, and, you know, we're so, people that do struggle with body image, we are so conditioned to look at our body, our female body. So if you're attracted to someone of the same sex, I wonder how that could possibly affect you. But for me, I don't think I um, it came into effect. Has it affected, you know, the jobs that you choose with modelling? Has it affected your career in any way? I guess that I like to play with gender norms, I guess. Uh, you know, I like to to delve into my more masculine side or my, you know, the stereotypical masculine side or female side and, and play around with what we are taught to perceive as one gender or the other. And because when I realised I was bisexual and I was attracted to women, I did find have this newfound confidence, I suppose, that I could wear clothes that weren't just perceived as feminine by society and that it did sort of open up these doors to explore myself more in the fashion world I think and so when it came to work I was drawn to do photo shoots that maybe did question those gender norms that society put places on us at such a young age and I wanted to break them and I wanted to play with them and I wanted to have fun with them. I think it's so, so important and I think it's certainly something we've got a long way to go with in society. I'm thinking uh, to the Vogue cover with Harry Styles in the skirt uh, and I think it was, was it Harris Reid, the designer, who who did that and it was really interesting. I read an article uh, the other day and he was just saying like we just need to all get over it like you know it was such a big yeah. like it was just in the news like <laughs> days afterwards it's like get a grip like come on people are allowed to yeah, wear whatever like, they want to wear why is it such a big deal um but I find it very attractive when someone is just unapologetically themselves they just wear whatever they want to wear despite what society tells you you should be wearing I think it's a very attractive thing, feature in somebody that's just, you know, seeing themselves, putting what they want to wear. Yeah. <laughs> I completely agree with you. And I love mm. that phrase, unapologetic, unapologetically themselves. Because, you know, when you see someone like that, it's I think it's empowering. It's like, yeah, they're mm-hmm. really rocking that outfit or that hairstyle. They're just doing their thing. And to be honest, it was something that I... I remember, vividly remember when I was in the midst of my eating disorder, mum and I had gone on a trip to Melbourne and I remember standing, I can't remember what sort of, what the street was, but it was one of those sort of four-way crossings and everyone just started crossing the street and I was in one of those phases where I was, looked at everyone and compared myself, but I just stopped and looked at everyone and everyone was just really unique and really embodying whatever their style was or doing their thing and it was this moment of realising everybody's just doing their thing and they're getting on with their lives and no one really cares what I look like. They're just Mm. happy to be themselves and doing what they're doing. And look, it didn't mean that I suddenly got well at that point, but I do vividly remember it as a point in time where I stopped and realized, gosh, you can just be happy in your own skin and do your own thing and you don't have to worry what anyone else thinks of you. That's so interesting that you had that that moment that was a, a turning point for you you would say it was a turning point for you in your journey. I definitely. It, look, it didn't mean that I got any better at that point, definitely. But it was yeah. something that's to this day stood in my mind as it was almost like I, 
I hoped that I would get to that point where I too could just be comfortable in my own skin and own my style and just be me without worrying about what society thought of me. Yeah, yeah, and and cross the street without, you know, thinking about what everyone else looks like. And and you said, you know, these people, they're just going about their day. They don't care what you look like. They don't care what size you are. And, the, and when they do, which is rare, it's because, you know, they're going through something themselves. And so it's not a reflection on how you look. It's a reflection on where they are in their journey. Totally. And it's so important to remember that. I often say that mm-hmm. to clients as a reflection on, as you say, where they're at rather than, yeah. The, when you do get judgments from people, because everyone does judge everyone else, do you ever find that triggering? Judgments, and I'm talking about judgments about your body or what, you know, or how you model or anything like that. Yeah, I, I think the human brain is almost wired to to notice negativity. So if someone says something negative, you're far more likely to be focused on that than if someone says something positive about you. So I do notice uh, often the sort of negative comments or remarks on social media. The ones about my body, I think that I've learned to sort of just let go of, sort of brush them away. Um, actually, most comments now, I think I'm pretty good at, at at just letting go of them. But sometimes, you know, you do think, oh, well, maybe I am, or maybe I am, and they do get to you a bit. But I think I've trained myself to, to shake out of it and just realize this is, this is absurd. Just let go of it. You've got plenty of supportive people around you, family, friends, even people on social media that are supportive. Why are you still giving these people the time of day? It's just not worth it. And like we just said, it is a reflection on what they might be going through. And I can actually say this from personal experience because in 2016, I battled uh, mental health. Uh, I, I went through psychosis. So I was in this completely different state of mind. I was going through fluctuations of being negative, angry, sad, um, ecstatic, and just not, I wasn't, I wasn't myself. And I also had access to social media at the time. Mm. My God, <laughs> the stuff I wrote, I, I, I can't even bring myself. Like, I don't know who that was. That wasn't me. And it's just, um, and it made me realize the people that leave these sorts of messages could very easily be people that in the state of mind that I was in during my psychosis. They might not be in psychosis, but they could be battling something pretty severe that we don't know. And so we should, every time we see a comment, that's negative or someone might be cyberbullying you online or targeting you. It's like, just remember who knows what state they're in, who knows what they're going through. It could be very, very hard for them. And if anything, instead of feeling bad ourselves, perhaps we should try and imagine what from their perspective, what could be going on and have a little bit of sympathy because I think in some ways it's a cry for help. I completely agree with you and I think too often we forget that we forget to think about what situation they might be in and I think yeah. to hear from your experience yourself you know thinking wow you know some of the things that you did back then and I, I really value you sharing that with us because I think it's really powerful um, for other people to, to recognize and realize that. Now you launched an amazing campaign in 2015 
to end the use of the term plus size. How did that come about? Talk to me more about that. I'm dying to know. Well, so basically when I, it took me years to sort of break into the industry. And when I finally started getting a bit of recognition, I noticed this, this plus size label going around and, oh, there it is again. Oh, there it is again. Oh, I'm plus size. Okay. And so <laughs> I was like, this is a bit weird, but I sort of just accepted it because I was happy to just be modeling. I was like, I just want to be modeling. Fine. Label me. As long as I'm in front of the camera, I'm happy sort of thing. But then I started realizing that this label was actually a pretty dangerous label, not because of how it might have been affecting me or other models, but because the general public was being affected by the use of this label within the industry. So we have young girls, young teens, young women looking for the modeling industry, they've finally maybe got models that are a similar size to them that they can, they feel that they can relate to. But then that model that they can relate to comes with this label, plus size. It's like, what's that doing for normalizing different body shapes? Absolutely nothing. And I was getting comments like, oh, if you're plus size, what does that make me? Oh my God, if that model's plus size, I must be, you know, whale size. They were just leaving comments like this left, right and center on social media. And I was thinking, this this isn't good. This is badly affecting the public's body image perceptions of themselves. And yeah, just this storm on social media basically happened one day where a model was semi-defending the use of the term plus size and saying, you know, it's an industry term, this and that. And I was saying, I don't really care if it's an industry term. The thing is, the public doesn't understand that. And it's very hard to, to try and educate them on it. It's actually easier to stop labeling ourselves, each other, um, and the modeling industry to stop labeling us as plus size altogether than trying to normalize this label that it's not even a very, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't describe anything in particular. It's so broad that it's pointless. It's like, oh, if you're not a size eight or less, you're plus size. What does that mean? <laughs> it's like, are you a size 10, 12? What, even for the clients, it's like, the client might be looking for a size 12 or a 14 and then it's like plus size. It could mean any size over a size date. And so I thought, you know what, get rid of it. Stop using it. We have a number sizing system. It's not necessary. It is warping the minds of young girls that are looking to the industry and it's not helping us normalize different body shapes. And so how did, how did that go? Like, and how did you go about it? Oh, I posted. <laughs> I just had enough one day. And so I posted this photo to Instagram and I was starkers, except for a tiny model G-string, like a nude G-string. And I was there holding, cupping my, cupping my boobs. And on my tummy, I had written, I'm a model, full stop. And I post that to social media and I explained how the modeling industry labels these models and that I'm not going to stand for it, basically. And then at the end, I coined the hashtag, drop the plus. And then posted that to social media and the rest is history. And it just, it took, it took off. I think New New York Daily, New York, um, one of the big publications in New York published an article about it, and then it was just a domino effect where the media was reporting on it because it is so it's so absurd that it makes a good headline. You know, it's like, hey, the modeling industry is calling everyone basically plus size, and so it made for a very good headline, and and it showed the public just how ridiculous the fashion industry can be. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I just applaud you for doing that. I think that's amazing. It must was it 
Was it sort of a scary moment when you put that photo up there? How did that feel? Uh, not maybe a little bit nerve wracking, um, but I'm, I didn't. I didn't think that much would come out of it. You know, it was just another post for me. I was like, I'm just putting up another post on social media, as you do. And I, there's no way I could have guessed that it would have just taken off like that. And every major media outlet in the world would have reported on it. It's just, it never crossed my mind that that would happen. So cool. Amazing. <laughs> well, you've gone down in history. It's, it's great. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I think that the, um, the, the fashion industry has, hasn't been using that term anywhere near as much as it was because we would have on the agency's sites, you know, there'd be the plus category and then there'd be on social media and in hashtags and also the general media as well would always be reporting and using the term plus size. And I think we've seen that drastically decrease. Yeah, as it should, as it should. What would be your advice to young women or men who are wanting to get into modeling, like how can they protect themselves from that insidious body image pressure? I think that what we've seen now, which is amazing, is that you could be anything, any any shape, any size, any gender, any age, any color, and there will be place for you in the industry now. I think we've seen this and it's amazing. And this is one of the powerful things about social media is it gives everyone a platform. So for me, it gave me a platform. I wouldn't have had a platform. Otherwise, drop the plus took off because of social media. And so my advice to young men and women, um, actually even any age, if you want to get into the industry, doesn't matter if you're 15 or you're 50 or 70, I think just put yourself out there, embrace how you are, how you look, and just our favorite word, be unapologetically yourself. And the public responds amazingly to that. So if you create a social media platform, whether it's Instagram, whether it's Facebook, and you put yourself out there and you're true to yourself, I think sooner or later, you will start getting that recognition, whether it be from the public or the industry. And also, you know, get, get creative in front of the camera. Have fun at photo shoots. Uh, organize your own photo shoots because that's what I did for four years was I was organizing my own photo shoots because uh, no agency I couldn't find an agency um, <laughs> I didn't know what to do so I was just organizing my own shoots for years and getting this practice in front of the camera um, finding photographers online makeup artists and just getting really creative and putting myself out there so that was my journey and I think that it is a journey that could possibly work for many people that perhaps don't fit what they might think is a stereotypical model or even if an agency doesn't want you, you can go, well, hang, hang on, you might not want me, but you will one day because I'm going to go and I'm going to get really comfortable in front of the camera. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to put myself out there and people will respond well because people love people in and themselves. Yes. Yes. Just hearing you say that just makes me so happy. I can just, I really, really hope that we see that change. I, I really, really hope in our lifetime that we see that. Um, and on that note, what would you like to see change in the modeling diversity in the modeling industry to encourage body diversity? I want to see more age diversity. I want to see um, a lot more age diversity because I think it ties in with body image because there's this fear of getting older as well and our bodies changing. And I think if we had models that were 
um, older than us that we could look to. Because I know personally, I find it very empowering following uh, models that are 40s, 50s, 60s and beyond. It makes me feel good scrolling through my feed. It makes me realize that we're all different no matter what age, no matter what body shape. So I want to see the industry embrace lots of different uh, areas. So I think as soon as we start um, bringing in models of various ages as well, I think that'll help and go hand in hand with accepting all areas of diversity, whether it is body shape as well. I love that. I think it's so, so important. I agree with you. There's not nearly enough of it. No. What has been the most valuable thing that your body image journey has taught you? Um, probably to have, oh, that is a tricky one. I think that one of the things would be to have more empathy and understanding for, for other people and their journeys, especially when you go on social media. Because, you know, like you said, there's this highlight reel. And so we think these people are living these perfect lives and that, They've got no body image issues, but when, um, you know, when I've gone through my journey of the ups and downs and a lot of downs years ago, I can look at people now and think, um, you know, I, I can't, I don't know where they are. I can't judge them. And also just to have empathy, like no one is feels a hundred percent empowered a hundred percent of the time. So yeah, just to accept that and understand that and appreciate other bodies as well and their journeys. I love that. That's beautiful. It's such a beautiful sentiment and so, so true. What words of wisdom would you like to leave our listeners with, especially those who are still in the midst of eating disorders and really struggling to accept their bodies? Oh, I'm, yeah, this is, this is tricky because I, well, what would I have told myself when I was 16 sort of thing? What could have gotten through to me? And it's hard because you you feel almost like it's almost like you've got these like you, you like you don't want to ah oh, what could possibly get through I think that's yeah that's a hard question I mean it's easy to go you know accept your body and the way it looks but what would what would be really poignant for someone in the midst of a tough journey like that I guess is that Oh man. <laughs> okay. I think imagine yourself 10 years from now or 20 years from now. So you might be in the midst of a really difficult journey with an eating disorder or with body image. Imagine yourself 10 years from now. Do you want yourself? Cause it's almost like a different person when you look in the future or you look in the past. That's, it's not you right here now. That is a different person. And so you want to be kind to that person. You know, imagine yourself 10 years from now. Do you want to be battling this in 10 years' time? And in order to be kind to that future self of yours, I think it's really important to, to accept that our bodies change and our bodies are not something we have control over as much as we want to have control over the shape of our body, the way it looks, what weight we are. There is only so much control you can wield and only, for, you know, it doesn't last long. And so let go of that need to, to control yourself and be kind to your future self. Don't let yourself be in this battle for longer than you need to be, I think. I hope that helps. <laughs> it's, I, a, it's a good I love that. I really, really do. It's so, so important. Uh, and self-compassion is such an important piece of, of the recovery journey. And you're right. 
at the end of the day, we are all going to age. Our bodies are this, they're beautiful, dynamic beings. They're not meant to stay Mm. the same. And we need to remember that and stop trying to make them stay a certain way because that's not how we're wired as human beings. No, and unfortunately, there's just this idea that I think gets uh, put out there that you can have control of your body. You can have control of your life. It's like, yeah, to an extent, but the thing is, it's like, I think advertising really plays on it too. It's like, you, it puts out this idea that you can control it. It's like, no, you can't. And when you do try and control your body and your eating disorder and your body shape, it's, it's almost like it fights that. It's like, this is not something that you want. It's like, it is a journey that you want to be friends with yourself and your body. You want to get along. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it is. You're right. Mm. It, it's this lifelong friendship that you know Mm. and so you can either choose you either your enemies or your friends um and it's gonna be a heck of a lot easier if you choose to uh, have a have a wonderful friendship with it rather than um being arch enemies for the rest of your life because that's just providing a whole lot of complication in there that doesn't need to be there yeah because it's like you both are punishing each other it's like it's it's like an abusive relationship that is addictive you know it's like but it's just not worth it. It, it. And like you said, you need to have compassion for yourself yes. and every part of yourself, your mind, your body, your spirit, you just need to, to be kind. I completely, completely agree. And I think that's such a wonderful, wonderful note to to end on. I cannot thank you enough for sharing um, some insights into your, your story and your journey and into some of the amazing things that you've done to try and shake things up and and get people to look at things differently because I feel that that's what you've done you've really gone and gone like hang on this isn't quite right and I'm going to do some things to try and change it and I love that I love that you've just yeah it's like it's like the industry what it's not going to accept me it's like well I'll make it accept me sort of thing (laughs) and I think everyone that wants to model should have that mentality it's like if you won't accept me I'll make you accept me I just think it's fantastic and I think, yeah, it's an absolute credit to you and I think you're an amazing role model for any young men or woman or any men or woman at all, um, no matter what their age, who are wanting to get into the modelling industry. I think to look at you and what you've achieved uh, and the fact that you've really made, I feel, a really good dent into creating more body diversity out there. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much and thank you for being so honest and open. I really really appreciate it and I know that this is going to help so many people thank you Millie thank you so much for having me and for giving me the opportunity to share to share some of my journey this is the end eating disorders podcast brought to you by Lockaway self-storage and Podspot. your financial support will save lives donate at ended.org.au I always used to think like how can people not hear what's going on in my head 